Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Where we like to talk about things that are messy, awkward, hard, or controversial and create a space for healing. Well, Megan, how is your let going? Because it's almost over <laughs> and I kind of feel like it zoomed by, but what, what did you give up for Lent? So this year, to be very transparent, Lent really snuck up on me. I like had not been thinking about it. And then suddenly it was like literally Ash Wednesday. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so after like praying, um, one of the things I gave up was desserts. So not sugar. In the past, I typically will give up like all sugar. Um, mm-hmm. This year I was like, <laughs> let's let's be realistic and gracious to myself. So I just yeah. gave up desserts because I was kind of seeing that like it was becoming sort of like a comfort thing for me. Like in the mm-hmm. evenings after like a really long day, I'm exhausted. I've been working and taking care of a baby. And it was like, oh, I'm going to get myself a little treat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I thought, you know, this would be a good thing to replace um, because it will it will come up often where I will be like, oh, I want a little treat. No. So that was one thing. And then um, I've tried to also like add something as well. So I'll like add a spiritual practice. And so I've been trying to pray daily, which I've not been super successful at, <laughs> but um, it was something that I feel like the Lord has been putting on my heart recently is to mm. like pray more intentionally for people. Like I will I'll always pray for people when they ask me for prayer, but I want to like be able to like pray for them, but then continue to pray for them. Um, so I started like a list on my phone a while back. Um, and it kind of initially started as like, oh, well, I breastfeed at night and I'm awake. Mm. So like, I might as well fill that time with something other than just like scrolling on my phone. Um, yeah. And so then for Lent, I just really wanted to be even more intentional with that list mm. and like mm-hmm. creating like a prayer list of people that I just pray for daily. Um, so that was sort of like the spiritual practice I added. Yeah. And how did that go for you? <laughs> um. I, to be honest, I haven't been super great about it. I keep forgetting, um, which sounds terrible, but, um, yeah, I just haven't been as good as I would have loved to be. Like, I would love to say like, oh, more often than not, I am praying every day. And I think more often than not, it's like at the end of the day and I'm like, oh no. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's something that I have felt like a little bit of shame over because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even remember to like pray for people yeah. when they need prayer. Um, but yeah, I also, I felt, I've felt a lot of grace about it as well because, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a difficult thing. It is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's one Lent that I've been have you been doing Lent since you were young or is it okay so same um it's very big it's like sometimes seen as like just a catholic thing but it's not as we know Megan does it and um yeah I I don't think there's one Lent where I've just like done whatever I said I was gonna sacrifice perfectly um this year I feel like I did really well in some areas and then just really poorly and others like I my Lent was thing was that I well I gave up Starbucks 
because I, I wasn't going every day, but it was like, if I was feeling really stressed at work, it was, I just feel like this is a thing of our generation that are like, I'll just get an iced coffee. I'll just go do this. Or like, yeah. Um, so I gave that up. Not only was that, was that good for my wallet? Um, also I just was like, okay, this is something that I'm going and doing that's extra. And I'm kind of trying to like run away from like stress that I'm feeling or like when I'm uncomfortable. Um, and I should be, yeah, actually going to God in those times. So I actually did really well at that. And I would think about it because I would think, oh, I just really want to leave and go. And I remember why I'm doing it. You know, it's like, no, I gave this up for Lent. Like this is a sacrifice. Um, and hopefully it will build better habits like moving forward for me. Um, so yeah, I did really well with that. Uh, my other thing was that I wanted to wake up and pray at least 30 minutes every morning because I'm the kind of gal, which I'm really trying to get out of this habit, but I tend to stay up too late. And then I wake up like 20, 30 minutes before I have to leave. And I just like, I have to just get up and get ready and then go right out the door. Like I have no time for morning prayer. Um, something that's kind of cool though, about my commute is that I take the train. So I'm just sitting there. So something I did do, I was better about praying in the morning when I was on the train, like doing my rosary, but it wasn't the same as if I'm like sitting and I can really like sit and really listen to God and like be reflective and like contemplative with prayer. So I only did that a few times. Like I failed miserably at that, like absolutely miserably. Um, so that wasn't great. And I'm still working on that. That's still going to be my goal. Um, but I still, I feel like I went to mass more than usual during Lent, like at noon, which has been really good for me. Um, so like you said, I feel like there's still been a lot of grace, um, in this Lent and I feel like God has done good things with the little offerings that I've been able to give him, (laughs) even though I did not do it perfectly, which one of these days, I know I'll never do anything perfectly, but one of these days I'll do this. Like, I want to really get in the habit of waking up earlier uh, and praying because I just really have no excuse. I'm a single person that can go to bed when they need to go to bed and wake up in the morning when I need to. So I need to get better at that, but <laughs> yeah. It's honestly something I've even thought about. Like I should maybe be getting up earlier as well. Um, and I already get up pretty early because I have a little baby. Have a but baby. Yeah. <laughs> because I have a baby, like as soon as she's up, like I kind of have to be like doing stuff. Like yeah. I have to be getting her dressed. Yeah. I have to be getting her vitamin. I have to be feeding her. I have to be pumping, like all of these things. Like I don't really have um time to like you were saying like actually have like contemplative um silence with the lord and so that's been really missing in my life the only time is really like at night if like i feed her and then put her yeah. back to bed and then i don't go to sleep right away <laughs> um and so i it like you saying that like it's something that i definitely want to set aside more intentional time and I just haven't because it is a sacrifice it will mean like getting up earlier and not being able to be as rested and and being tired um and it's such like a small sacrifice um but it is still one so yeah it's something that I feel like because it's come to mind and like it's come up a few times where I'm like okay clearly the Holy Spirit is putting this on my heart and I should be obedient to <laughs> Yeah, the Lord has been putting that on my heart for a long time that I need to just like sit with him more. And 
yeah, there's periods of my life that I've been good at that. And then times that I'm really just not. And I guess the best thing I can just do is just keep trying and uh, not give up. (laughs) And all the little ways that I still am praying, like I know that God is happy with that. Like I was never someone that was really in the habit of making sure that I prayed. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes not even every day, like really sat down and prayed at all, but prayed um, like a rosary every day, which I've always felt really convicted to do and really reflecting on that. Um, And I guess I've gotten better at that. So it's just, and going to daily mass, which is a great way to hear scripture and just like reflect and be with God, um, like in the middle of your day. Unfortunately, I think it would be great if I could go in the morning, but that just does not work with mass schedules and blah, blah, blah. So, and little ways getting better. Um, like, I'm like, I feel like I can make a lot of excuses. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm a mom, like, let me just like focus on my baby, like my childhood Something that was very like memorable to me was that my mom would get up an hour before us every day. Wow. Yeah. Sit at the kitchen table and she would read her Bible and she would journal and she would pray. And that yeah. was like just every morning. Like we would wake up at seven and she had already been up for an hour yeah. drinking her coffee, like and just having time with Jesus. And it wasn't even something like that she saw as like super impressive. Yeah. Or even talked about. Like it was just like never mentioned, but it was just like, oh, I just knew getting up in the morning. Like, oh, when I walk into the kitchen to like pour my cereal or like eat my toast, like mom's gonna be like already at the table and she'll already have been up. Um, and that was weekdays, weekends, like literally every single day. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something where I can make a lot of excuses, but I even had that example in my life, and so I know what it looks like. Yeah. Um, so it's something that I've been convicted on. Yeah, that convicts me because like what a good example that you can be just by you're not really even saying anything. She's just doing like having a relationship with God, which I think is such a great example. And it's yeah, to her, it probably didn't even seem well, maybe it did seem like a sacrifice, but to her, it was just like an essential, mm-hmm. like it should be for all of us. And we ugh, most of us often really fail at this. Like we're if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to talk to him. You can't just, (laughs) it can't just be a one-way street where we just go to him when we really need something. Like we want to build that friendship with Jesus and with God. And yeah, I think about that a lot when I'm like feeling distant from God. I'm like, well, have I really been praying or like really entering into the mass when I'm there? Or am I just like going to mass on Sundays and leaving it there? Or like if you, any kind of church service you go to, am I just kind of like leaving it there? Like that's when I talk to God. It's like, would you do that to a friend, like a really close, good friend that you have? Like I talk to Megan every day. I talk to my boyfriend every day. Like I should be talking to God every day. Like anytime you want to have a relationship, you know? Um, And something John brought up just this week actually um, was that oftentimes in seasons of life where we are like at our busiest or most stressed or whatever, we see that as the time when we're like, oh, well, now I don't have time for prayer. Now I don't. And it's like, that's when we need it the most. And there's this quote, I think it's actually Martin Luther, where he says like, I have so much to do today. I Uh must begin with three hours of prayer. And it's like funny because it's like, obviously that's not how we think. You know, we think like, oh, I have so much to do today. I got to like cut the Bible time or quiet time. When in reality, it should be like the opposite. Like the more I have going on in my life, the more I should be prioritizing time with the Lord. And yet it's the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because that's the well, like where we find our peace Mm -hmm. and where we find the grace that we need to 
do all of these, like stay grounded amidst the craziness of life. And I always, it's so funny to me, like when I'm really stressed or when I'm really this, like when I go to mass, like, especially when I'm going intentionally to like a daily mass where it's not something that I'm required or required to do or like this it's like routine you know when I go to mass on Sundays or when I just go sit down and go to adoration or I just sit down and pray I'm like oh I feel so much more peaceful and it's not all about feelings because it's not like this overwhelming like emotion or but there's just like this inner peace that I just I just like feel like I can finally breathe and I'm like oh duh (laughs) it's just funny how that works just this like peace that things are okay. It's kind of like a refuge from the craziness of the world. And then you can go back out and carry that piece into the world. Uh, yeah, well, our episode, I guess it wasn't just about prayer. It was kind of like, as maybe you could tell from the title, but about when you feel like you're a failure, which I feel like Lent brings up a lot of those feelings because you say like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this sacrifice. I'm going to pray every day. And then you don't end up doing it. It can be very discouraging um, like, oh, I'm such a bad Christian. I'm so like, I'm not even worthy of God's love because I can't do these even small things that I say that I'm going to do. And like, I guess we should be kind of sad if we haven't kept up with our sacrifices, but we don't want to let it become really discouraging and like this, like despairing. Um, and that's kind of what we want to talk about today like how to move through the failures that we inevitably will have because we're still humans, we're not perfect, and we're still going to fail as much as we don't want to. And in a way, like that's okay as long as we have the right mindset around it. Like then we go and seek God's mercy and we just keep trying and knowing that we're going to fail. But And not to go too Catholic and all the Protestants that are listening, I promise you'll be able to like gang from this, but Megan probably read my notes. I'm going to talk a lot about St. Therese, um, who she's a doctor of the Catholic church. And it's funny because I was just recently listening to a video that Father Mike Schmitz did on Therese in her little way. Um, And he was saying that like one of the most, all the well-known like doctors of the church were like philosophers and like, uh, translated the Bible or like did all of these just amazing things that obviously they're like a doctor of the church. Like a lot of the doctors of the church, both Catholics, Catholics and Protestants recognize as like these great leaders in the church, the church fathers, you know? And she was just this little, like little, uh, mentally ill girl. She really was. Um, we talked about her a little bit in our, uh, attachments podcast, Dr. Bruinger talked about her, but she was this little girl that i she became a nun when she was very young, like in her teens. And then she died when she was like in her twenties and she just was in the convent, like her actual, when she was on earth, like nobody's really going to know who St. Therese is. Like she didn't do anything crazy or like notable while she was on earth yet. She's a doctor of the church. And it was because of her writings um, that they found after and just the impact that she had on everyone in her convent, um, which is really cool. Um, she's really well known for her little way, um, which trying to kind of, kind of, it's so, it's such a broad, like, there's so much I could say about it, but I'm going to try to like, keep it very short, but her little way was basically, she was born in a time where the heresy of, I feel like I'm going to say this wrong, but Jansenism, uh, 
was very rampant, this heresy. And it was basically that you had to gang all of these merits that you needed for heaven. And that like anything that felt good or that you might like have a desire or want to do, like, no, you don't do those things. You sacrifice, it's pain. Um, and you need to gather up all of these merits before you get to heaven. Like it was very like works-based. It was very like harsh, like the justice of God. Um, and there was a sister in her convent who decided to consecrate, consecrate herself as a victim of divine justice. So basically it was just like all of the justice, God, that you have for like sinners, like give that to me, like very intense. And Therese saw this and she was like, no, like I, she was terrified. She's like, God, is that what I have to do to become holy? Like, yeah, it was like holiness was pain and sacrifice that you inflict on yourself. Like you don't seek any of the goodness or beautiful things that God has for you in life. And as she was dying, this sister, she was saying, she was saying like, oh no, I haven't, like, she's very anxious and scared. She's like, I haven't. And she died a very painful death, by the way. So did St. Therese, but she didn't, um, she was like, I didn't gain enough merits before I died. Like I'm not holy enough. Like she was very anxious and despairing. Like she had no peace as she was dying. And I think that's how a lot of us can live. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm not sanctified enough. I'm not holy enough. Like very anxious and like scrupulous and very like scared of God. Um, and St. Therese looked at that and she was like, that is not like, I do not want to do that. I do not feel called to that. Um, and St. Therese from a very young age, she had uh, a very great desire to be holy, like to be a very great saint and to be like the high, like to go to heaven immediately, which as Catholics, it's going to be different theology from Protestants, but um, like to be made a saint in the church, like to be recognized as a saint. It's basically that we believe that you didn't go to purgatory first. You went straight to heaven. And then like, you have to like, there has to be miracles that are scientifically verified that were through the intercession of the saint. And whatever but basically i think even protestants could relate like i want to be the highest heights of holiness like when i die like i want to be a great follower of christ and a saint and but she felt like she was just this weak little bird like she described saint teresa of avila who was also a doctor in the church and she was very like she did all these great things like with education and writing like she was very notable um in history and she, she felt like she was like this great eagle, St. Teresa of Avila, and she wanted to be like her, but she's like, but I'm just like this broken little bird. Like, I want to be a great saint. I have all the, I have like the heart of a great eagle, but I'm like this little broken bird and I can't reach those heights of holiness. And she was praying. She was like, God, how do like, you gave me this desire. So I feel like you can fulfill, like you will fulfill that. You gave me this desire to be great, but I don't feel like I can like be like all these like great people around me. Um, and I feel so weak and small and little. And she found that that was exactly the way that God's like, God would, would use that, like her small weakness and her sin and her failure to make her great and holy. Because when you realize your littleness, how weak and small you are, that's when you surrender yourself to God and let God's mercy, like fill your heart. Like she said that holiness was simply God's mercy pouring into our heart. Um, and she kind of came up with like the little way. So she was saying, it's like, you have to climb the rough stairway of perfection to heaven. Like we're all trying to run this race. Like I think of like Paul saying, I finished the race. Like we're all running this race toward heaven. Um, and she's like, I can't climb this. Like, I'm like this little weak thing. Like, how am I supposed to get up these stairs as this little weak bird? And she was like, oh, it's the arms of Jesus. 
Like I'm going to like try and try and like climb these stairs and be perseverant. But like knowing that really the only thing that's going to carry me there is like letting the mercy of God come in and like lifting me up the hands of Jesus. Um, and I'm going to do that by little acts of love. Like I don't need to, unless you feel called to do a specific sacrifice, of course, but like she was looking at the like divine justice, like pain and misery and pain. She's like, no, I'm going to live by love and like do these little acts of love. And even when I feel weak and small and like, I'm not capable of these great things, like I'm just going to continue to live in love and God is going to come and like in his mercy, like he said, she would always look at the passage in scripture when Jesus says like, let the little ones come to me. Um, she's like, I'm just going to go to Jesus and I'm going to give him like everything I have to offer and let him pick me up and carry me to the heights of holiness. And yeah, she, she always, she always looked at Mary Magdalene also, uh, which I think Mary Magdalene is a great example of that because Mary Magdalene like just came to Jesus and her brokenness and didn't really have much to offer. Um, like she gave Jesus the best of what she had to offer. And Jesus was very pleased with that. And now Mary Magdalene was like, you know, one of these great saints that was with Jesus until the end and one of his great disciples. Um, and the one that Jesus came to when he first, you know, resurrected. So, um, I really like, I look up to her because what she's, what she's not saying is that you just say like, Oh, I'm weak and little and broken. And like, I'll just become complacent and like, God will take care of it. Like his mercy, like I can continue on in sin. Um, what she's really saying is like, no, like I know that I'm going to fail and that I'm small and I'm weak, but when I do fail, like God's mercy is going to be there for me and I can be hopeful and rest in that. And like, I'm going to get up and like keep striving to holiness. Like she said, there were three different components, like recognize the darkness of my littleness. That's the one realize that we're weak and small without God Two, keep trying to grow in holiness, but three trust in God's mercy when we fail. And like, really that's, and we just, we know that like as Christians, like we can't earn our salvation. We're not going to be perfect. Like we're, it's really only through the mercy of God that we will get to heaven at all. Um, yeah, Megan, I don't know if you have any thoughts. It really reminds me of, I was just looking at the passage now in the gospels, the, the widow's offering, um, Mm. when Jesus is, he's watching the crowd and everybody's putting their their money in the treasury and these rich people are coming and they're throwing in these large amounts of money and it's kind of seen as a way of like sort of bragging like Ooh, yeah look at me. like I'm donating all of this money like clearly I care so much for the church and I'm so holy um and then this this poor little widow comes and she just puts two little copper coins mm. it's only worth like a few cents and Jesus calls his disciples to him like that's how significant it it is and he says truly I tell you this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all others they gave out of their wealth but she out of her poverty put in everything all she had to live on and when you even like think of the cultural context of this like a widow is someone who is like the lowest totem pole of society like no one is caring for her she is very small she is the definition of little and yet it is out of her smallness that she comes and she offers just everything that she has which doesn't seem like much at Mm -hmm. all but to the lord it is better and greater than these huge amounts of wealth that are getting donated by these rich people um and if you look at that too even just like spiritually with like our service to the lord and our submission to him like it is out of our smallness and i think of 
so we often say like oh we should have a childlike faith and sometimes yeah. people hear that and they think like oh like children like immature or like they don't know much or whatever and it's no. like no what it is it's it's recognizing our littleness yeah. and our like how much we truly have to offer which is to god the creator of the universe like so the only thing we can do is offer our entire selves and say like here i am um take all of me i surrender to you yeah Um, and that is all that jesus requires of us he doesn't require us to go out there and try to make a bunch of money and donate it all and be one of the rich people who's putting in bags and bags of coins it's like no bring your two little coins just your few cents and give that to me and that is what i will count as worthy yeah, it's like doing these things with whatever you can do, just with great love. And that's how you can kind of fight being like, oh, complacent or um, even following falling into despair. It's like just focusing on doing what you can do and with great love and giving that to God. Yeah, and recognizing your littleness. Like we are sinners. We are not perfect. And that's why we needed a savior, like for God to come and to, to get us. <laughs> And that's what I love, like the image of God coming to like scoop her up. It was, she called it like the elevator of holiness. Like God was going to come and scoop her up as long as she was surrendered to him and like working to just like, I don't want to say working, but like not falling into to despair over her sins because she also, she saw that as like prideful. Like if we really thought that our sin could just ruin everything, like anything that we could do could ruin us getting to heaven. Um, it's when you fall into that despair and like, don't accept the mercy of God and don't accept him into your life and into your heart. And kind of like, you can put up walls against God if you don't think you're good enough or you're holy enough. Um, and then you can like live in this like anxious frenzy, even like the sister, I think it was sister. I don't want to kind of forget the name sister Marie though, in her convent, like living in like this anxiousness of like, Oh, I didn't get enough merits. I didn't. And I'm like, think that sounds so prideful. Like I didn't do enough. And that's not like what she was thinking, you know, when she was, you know, it was more like focusing on that. She didn't do, she didn't do enough. It's like, no, like you're never going to be able to do enough. Like it's going to be surrendering to God and letting God's mercy into your heart because yeah, we all are just in the eyes of God. And like compared to God, we all are just that, that little widow with like our two little coins. Um, and it's, it's recognizing that, but yeah, not falling into despair and having full confidence in God. And that if we give our full selves to him, like even with our small brokenness, he can make us great saints. Like he, we can be in heaven with him, which is like incredible. Um, and I hear, especially in my circle, a lot of Catholics, like the goal is like, oh, we want to be a saint. Like we want to get to heaven. We, that's obviously the goal of like being a Christian is being in heaven with God. And it's like, you can become discouraged in your sin. Um, Like I, how could I ever, yeah, be in heaven with God? How could I ever deserve that? How could I, because I keep sinning, I keep doing this over and over again. It's like, well, don't fall complacent in your sin, but also like strive to not sin again, but knowing that God's mercy is there when you do. Um, So I think that's just what I like really about her whole philosophy, because it's more like not relying on your own, merits on your own like whatever you're doing or working to do it's really surrendering to God and just recognizing that um which can be hard to do because like I said like a lot of times that's kind of why I was thinking about this during Lent it's like oh I failed like I totally messed up in doing what I said I was going to do 
Um, and I could either be really beat myself up and be like, oh, it's just not worth it to even keep trying because I'm just going to keep failing or just be really anxious about it. Um, or I could just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep trying again. And then I know that God's mercy is there for me when I ine inevitably fail. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you brought up that it can sometimes be an issue of pride in our yeah. life. Um, and it, it looks like humility because being like oh we're not enough like I need to do all these other things like clearly like I need to continue to work harder yeah. um, so it can disguise itself as humility we can often justify the attitude as being humble um but really it is it's a it's an over focus of self yeah and it if you kind of look at it is like oh if we believe we're not doing enough then at the core of that is a belief that like we could do enough yeah <laughs> like I could um without the grace of Jesus like be good enough the reality is we can't um and so yeah like you were saying like that not that that drives us to complacency you're like oh I guess I'll just sit back and whatever like rely on the grace of Jesus like that's I think that's why yeah. Paul yeah. has to bring up in Romans like we yeah. don't continue sinning it's like because that would be an issue <laughs> like that wouldn't even be a question if the the reality was that we had to work super hard um yeah. The reason he has to bring that up is he's like, okay, you know, we have to rely on grace now because we're relying on grace doesn't mean we take advantage. Um, yeah. Which we yeah. talked about in our confession episode, but yeah, yeah it, it really is. It's a sneaky way that pride can sneak into our life because it feels like humility and it looks like self-deprecation. Like, no, yeah. I'm like, I'm putting myself down like that can't be prideful pride always looks like narcissism and puffing myself up no it doesn't you know, sometimes it looks like tearing ourselves down um and and not being willing to receive and accept um what the lord is giving to us because we're like no I, I have to depend on myself I have to and I think sometimes even the the shame of failure can come from a place of um wanting to be more independent from the lord <laughs> and yeah. wanting to be able to be good on my own um instead of accepting like no I, I truly do need him in order to be sanctified yeah yeah i think yeah it can be a lot of pride to not accept the mercy of god like to think oh i'm too broken for that like that can't help me it's like you're really doubting the power of god right now um because he can if you're just, if you're trying to remain open and you keep trying, like he can make you very holy if you let him. <laughs> and yeah, I, that was a really big realization for me when I realized that like being down on myself or yeah, being mean to myself was almost like this, yeah, this form of pride um, because I'm not relying on the mercy of God or like the promises that God made me like in my own goodness and then my own, like how he would even work through my brokenness. Uh, so it is a very sneaky way. Um, just thinking like the only sin that's not forgivable is not like receiving the mercy of God and not accepting his forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Like God can forgive anything, but if we're going to like close ourselves off to him and be like, nope, like you can't help me. Like, yeah, that's very prideful as if your sin is more powerful than God, mm -hmm. um, which easier said than done, but that's why I just think it's so great that, um, like that we have that tradition or that sacrament or the ways of confession because God, he's just so willing to give us his mercy. And yeah, we talked a lot about that in our confession episode. Um, 
but I wanted, Megan, I wanted to read, I don't know if you want to go through some of the thoughts that you had. Yeah, I kind of was thinking about, um, you know, obviously when we have these conversations, none of us want to fail. None of us want to be failures. We all want to (laughs) succeed. Yeah, And I think even um, like with Lent in particular, it's like none of us set these these goals um, and these sacrifices with the thought in mind of like, oh, but I probably won't be able to do it. <laughs> like all of us, you know, want to get yeah. to the end of Lent and, and you know, wake up Easter morning and be like, I did it, um, obviously. But I was just considering like, we obviously believe God is powerful enough that like at the moment we are brought into the kingdom of God, he could make us completely sinless. Like mm. we, we know that yeah. he has the power to completely wipe us clean. So why not? Like God does not do anything arbitrarily. Yeah. There is a reason that we have this process of sanctification. So I was just thinking through, okay, why, why would it be that God wouldn't just wipe the slate clean and make us completely sinless? Yeah. Um, like immediately. And I think it's because failure can actually be really good for us. Um, one reason is that failure reminds us of our need for a savior in the first place. Um, yeah. I was just thinking through Romans 5, 6 through 8. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I really think failure is just an, a good opportunity for us to just go back to that core truth of the gospel, that while we were in the depths of our sin, that is when the Lord came and died on the cross and took the punishment upon himself. Um, failure reminds us that like we can't succeed in a self-salvation, <laughs> sanctification project, even when we try our very hardest. Um, and when we admit that failure and we are reminded again of why we need Jesus, it's an opportunity for us to accept his redemption once again, over and over again, um, which is so powerful in our walk with the Lord. We can also find a lot of hope in our failure because God's strength and power is made perfect in our weakness. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking of second Corinthians 12, nine, where Paul is talking about the thorn in his flesh. And we don't know what this is. It could be a sin struggle. It could be an illness, like whatever it is, it's something that he desperately cried out to God to remove from his life, get rid of it completely. And I think through times in my life when I have really been struggling with just like a particular sin that I can't seem to defeat, it's that desperation of like, God, I know you're powerful. Like, just take this away. Like, remove this from my life. Yeah. And yet he pleads with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But what does God say to him? He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so what does Paul say? He says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest in me. For the Mm -hmm. sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamity. For when I am weak, I am strong. Why is he strong? Because God is being glorified through that. And so our failure is a reminder that God's sovereignty and God's grace and mercy for us allows us to fall completely flat. And it's when we feel like we can't do any more, like we have less and less 
how could we possibly make something from this? That's when God specializes in doing work and being yeah. glorified. God has the power to make, to create out of nothing. Um, and so, of course, he can create out of us when we are at our lowest and our emptiest. Yeah. And then finally, just that there is grace and failure when we respond with humility, which we've kind of talked mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Um, but I'm just thinking of James 4, 6, where it talks about um, that pride can be killed when we are humble and that it's through that the Lord works through us so that we can endure hardships, we can endure suffering. And when we put our pride to death in these moments where we fail and we remember that we're not defined by our failures, we're also not defined by our best moments. We are defined by our belonging to the God who purchased us and bought us with his sacrifice. And that Mm. because of that, in those moments when we fail, we are still in Christ. Like that, I love that picture of like, we're in the arms of God. So even when we trip and fall flat on our face, yeah. we are not a failure. We are in Christ and in Christ, we are not failures. Yeah. Um, so I actually think clearly there's a purpose to the fact that our sanctification is progressive. And I think there are several reasons why failure is actually good for us and why it should serve. It doesn't always. <laughs> yeah. We should allow it to serve as a yeah. reminder of who God is and who we are. And it should actually be very encouraging. So obviously we shouldn't seek failure out, but when we inevitably fail, yeah, it's an opportunity. It's not a time to shame ourselves or to be super self-deprecating or to further isolate from the Lord. It's time to run to him and be yeah. reminded of who he is and what he has done for us. That's a great reflection, like thinking why, <laughs> yeah, why doesn't God just make us holy? But thinking, I think if you think about failure, even in the secular world, like life coaches and people will talk about how good failure is in just in life. And that applies to our spiritual life as well. Like, you know, God is very wise. He knows what will bring us closer to him, what has the capacity to make us holy, as holy as we can be. And a lot of times that, yeah, that's through failure because really though, yeah, the way we become holy is recognizing our littleness and just accepting the mercy and grace of God. And if we didn't sin, if we didn't fail, we could become prideful um, and think that we're better than God. I think Adam and Eve in the Bible, like they were, they were sinless, but they decided like they knew better than God um, and they fell in that way. And yeah, it's like, it's very much a reminder to me, like, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm not even close. Like, I think it's so funny when I was young, I thought like, oh, there's a few things I'll need to work on. And then I'll be like, it's just totally good. Like, I'll be good. And I've heard people say that before. Like, I'm good in my faith. Like, yeah, I'm settled. I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, okay. You could be secure in God's mercy and love for you, but then realizing like, oh, there's always ways that I need to be sanctified or that I am not perfect in ways that I need, you know, I need to let God work in me and grow. Um, yeah, but I really like that idea that failure, it, it can be good for us. Uh, and when we let it, it's when we're closest to God. I think sometimes when we failed and when we were like, we are at our, our smallest, I have a friend actually that maybe we'll have on the podcast sometime, but she really struggled with alcohol and you know, this friend, um, like Mary Kate Norris, she talks about it a lot, but she really struggled with alcohol and like was trying to fix it herself. Like, 
oh, I can figure this out. Like, I don't need God. And she's when she really found freedom from that reliance on alcohol from those wounds was when she realized how small and little and broken she was and just finally surrendered to God. She's like her rock bottom, like in her struggle with alcohol. Um, when she had screwed up, like the most that you maybe can was when she was like, oh my gosh, like, I just need, I'm so small. I'm so weak. I'm so little. I need the mercy of God. And that's when like God really came to her. And that's when she was really healed. Um, Mm -hmm. and now she's like such a beautiful, great witness. Um, yeah, I want to read. Um, there's also another, Oh, (laughs) did you hear that? (laughs) I turned, okay. There's something played on my phone. I was trying to pull up her, um, actually her Instagram post that she, I don't know why my phone is playing Katy Perry. Um, <laughs> yeah, one time in mass, I tried to open my phone to read the readings. Side note, and uh, Soldier Boy, it was a TikTok that had been pulled up on my phone, started playing during mass. And this was during COVID when they um, recorded it, when they were recording, and you could kind of hear it in the recording. I went back and listened. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Yeah, but I just think like her witness is so, I don't know why it's not coming up. Um, anyway, I'll find that. But I also, it also makes me think of a saint that died. Um, he died addicted to opioids. His name is Saint Mark G, and I can't say his last name. We'll put his name in the show notes, but he was a Chinese lay doctor who had gotten addicted to opioids that were being prescribed to him. Um, and he he actually had a horrible confessor because he went to the priest and the priest, he kept like confessing this. And this is when I don't think they really understood addiction, but also I just, I don't talk about sometimes like a really bad confessor. He said like, well, until you get over this, like, I don't want you to come back because clearly you're not sorry. So this man, he went without receiving the Eucharist uh, and without going to consider what he, if you're technically like, which it's, if anyone, if they understood addiction, they would realize that maybe this isn't like a mortal, you know, sin. This is something that you don't really have control over. You're not fully choosing, but whatever. But he died an addict and he actually prayed to God. He was like, can you just make me like a martyr? Because there's no other way I'm going to become a saint because he was so like in that sin. And he actually, God granted him that he actually was, he actually was murdered by uh, people persecuting Christians and he was he died he was the last one that died he actually asked them to kill him last so that he could be with each of his family members encouraging them and being with them as they were murdered and he was singing the praises of god like as he was murdered um and this is someone that just struggled with like i wouldn't even say it was sin but something like a failure like a weakness like paul said like a thorn in his side for so long in his life um and god like yeah, now he's a saint that we all talk about because we believe in the Catholic Church. If you're martyred for your faith, like that's the ultimate like sacrifice, like holiness, like you're immediately sanct- uh, given sainthood in the Catholic Church. Um, but yeah, like it, it, just the way that he died, you can see the way that he died, that clearly like he lived a life, even though he was struggling with like this really bad addiction that God like never came to heal him from. Um, he died like a very holy man. <laughs> um and I just think that's a beautiful story for if you're really struggling with something. Yeah. I don't know. I just found that really encouraging. I'll put his name in the show notes because I can't really say it, but reading his story is really beautiful. But I finally found that post and 
the scripture that she always refers to is second Corinthians. I was talking about my friend that uh, struggled with alcohol and it was second, second, second Corinthians 12, nine through 10. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties for I am weak. Then I am strong. I think about that a lot tied to St. Tres. Like it's in our weaknesses that God brings out, like is most glorified. Um, and I think about that when I think of that saint, uh, that Chinese saint, St. Mark. Um, it was through, yeah, like his addiction and that weakness that God was most glorified, that God can work through even like horrible things that we're struggling with. Um I just think that's really beautiful. So to not be discouraged, like that the heart is this, to not be discouraged by your weakness, by your sin, by your littleness, but, you know, to continue to try, but also to really like abandon yourself to that mercy of God and persevere, like run the race and don't become discouraged by your sins because God can do great things through us anyway. Um, even not in spite of, but because of our littleness. Yeah, I think of where is that passage i'll have to find it um a bruised reed he will not break a smoldering wick he will not snuff out mm. i just think how in our, our our weakness the lord does not despise us um we really are like in those moments you know a bruised reed just like this piece of grass that's completely crushed yeah. or a wick that's like barely hanging onto a flame that's just smoldering out yeah um he's not going to come by and just break us or snuff us out um yeah and so we're we're not supposed to be discouraged you know those who come to god he doesn't despise and turn them away um i think about psalm 51 like david after this horrible sin of you know killing uriah and um he cries out a broken and a contrite heart you will not despise mm -hmm. and i think that's a good reminder for us oh it's isaiah 42 3 there was something I even want, like considered a while back. I was like, oh, I should make like a keychain or something with a reed on it. Cause I just feel like that's such a good reminder of yeah. like, I am a bruised reed and yet he won't break me. Um, he, he takes me in his arms. So. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I'd never really thought about that passage um, in that way. I really like that. Um, yeah. There's this book called the reed of God which it's very Catholic. It's very, it talks about how Mary was like a read of God, but it just makes me think of like, even through, like God can still even work through us as a bruised read, um, which is really, uh, just, yeah, it's just crazy to me. Cause I have to look back at my life and all the ways that I've been not perfect at all. And like feeling like I was such a sin sinner and such a failure. And like, people will come to me and say, wow, like you really inspired me. Like I'm really inspired by your face. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a mess. And then it's, it's never for me, like a prideful thing. I just sit there and I think like, why, like such a mess, like me and my striving. And I know my sin best, you know, like the depths of the ways that I sin and that somehow God is still using me to be an example to others. It's just crazy to me. Um, but yeah, all for his, his glory, I guess he uses our weakness. So 
and yeah thinking of saint paul perfect in our weakness yep (laughs) yeah thinking of saint paul who was who was murdering and persecuting christians and god was able to just come in and be like "Mm." (laughs) so it gives me a lot of hope for not only myself but just for everyone in this world that's why i never lose hope in anyone or myself because we've seen god do great things with people who were heinous horrible sinners (laughs) and honestly it's only through the grace of god that we're not heinous and sin in greater ways so just remembering that to not become prideful looking at others like wow it's like oh well it's only by the grace of god that you aren't doing those things so (laughs) yeah if we can tie it up there megan did you have a prayer you wanted to share oh yes um I wanted to pray the divine mercy. Okay, so St. Therese, she ended up consecrating herself to divine mercy instead of to divine justice. That's her holding, like merciful love. So actually, I wanted to show you guys this consecration to merciful love. This is where you can learn about the little way. I've done this. I do it like every year. Um, Yeah, and it's just, that's where you learn about the merciful way, consecration to merciful love. It's like a short prayer for 33 days, and at the end, you do the consecration. But I wanted to, yeah, read that because I think it's really encouraging. It is very Catholic, but take what you will from it as a Protestant. Um, Prayer of consecration to merciful love. Merciful Father, relying on the prayers and example of Abraham and Abraham and Mary, my father and mother in faith, and St. Therese, my sister in the way of humble confidence, I choose this day with the help of your grace to strive with all my heart to follow the little way. And so I firmly intend to fight discouragement, do little things with great love, and be merciful to my neighbor in deed, word, and prayer. I aim to keep my eyes on my poverty, weakness, brokenness, and sin, trusting that my littleness and contrite heart will attract your merciful love. I choose to remain always little, not relying on my own merits, but solely on yours, dear Lord, and those of the Blessed Mother. Finally, I believe, my God, that you can and will make me into a great saint, even if I won't see it, even if I have to struggle all my life against vice and sin, even if I have to wait until the very end. This blind hope in your mercy, O Lord, is my only treasure. And now to confirm my resolve and to console you for so much rejection of your mercy, I offer myself through the hands of Mary Immaculate as a victim of Holocaust to your merciful love, asking you to consume me incessantly, allowing the waves of infinite tenderness shut up within you to overflow into my soul, and that I may thus become a martyr of your love, O my God, and a gift of mercy to so many others. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. And my favorite part of that prayer is just, even if I have to all my life fight against vice and sin, even if I have to wait until the very end, um, this blind hope in your mercy, O Lord, is my only treasure. And yeah, it's just very encouraging when you feel like you're struggling against sin (laughs) and we will until the very end. That's the thing. Yeah. You kind of touched touched on this earlier, Megan, but um, I think Father Jacques Philippe, who is a Catholic writer who's actually still alive. Most of the time we talk about people that aren't alive anymore, like St. Therese, but um, he talks about how one just act of blind, and there's many people that talk about this, but just one act of divine surrender to God makes us holier than our little efforts, like our whole lives of us relying on ourselves. Like just that one moment and one moment God can make us like wipe us clean and make us completely holy just by his grace. So us surrendering to him will make us holier more than ever, like us just relying on ourselves and doing all these little things. Um, 
which yeah, that's encouraging because if it was all on me, be in trouble. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, it would not be good. <laughs> yeah. So if you're going through a season of failure um, and you needed some encouragement, just hope that this reaches you where you're at and that you realize there is a purpose to our stumbling and that the Lord has mercy for us. Amen.